Hello, and welcome to Connect, Collaborate, Champion, the podcast of the New American Colleges and Universities, a network of private institutions providing an education that integrates the liberal arts, professional studies, and civic engagement. I'm your host, Sean Creighton. Our podcast speaks with insightful experts about current and future issues affecting higher ed. Thanks for joining us. As we kick off another year of the NACU podcast, I'm excited to have as today's guest, Keith McIntosh. He is the Vice President for Information Services and Chief Information Officer at the University of Richmond, where he's been since August 2016. Prior to joining the University of Richmond, he was the CIO at Ithaca College, the CIO at Pima County Community College District, and also held various progressive IT leadership positions during his distinguished 24 years of service in the United States Air Force, which included a combat tour in Northern Iraq. Keith serves on the board of directors for the National Association of Colleges and University Business Officers and the Educause Board of Directors. Keith McIntosh, who goes by Mac, welcome to the NACU podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Sean. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, have a conversation today about digital transformation and, and whatever else we want to talk about. But why don't we begin by having you tell us a little bit more about you know, who you are and what you do at the University of Richmond. I am very fortunate to serve as the Vice President for Information Services and Chief Information Officer at the University of Richmond. We're a small, private, residential liberal arts institution in Richmond, Virginia. Privileged to lead an outstanding group of 74 IT professionals who provide top-notch service and support for our students, faculty, and staff. Primarily, I'm responsible for the day-to-day leadership and management and strategic direction and development of our IT organization and our IT capabilities for the institution. And to do so, I work collaboratively with our university leadership, which is my peers on cabinet, other vice presidents, and the deans to ensure our IT investments are both aligned with the mission and objectives and where we want to go and helping to us advance to that uh, end goal. I saw you give a presentation once, which is why I reached out because I was like, you know, I've seen this word, digital transformation or digital innovation or digital this and that. And and maybe you could start off by like, what does it mean in a traditional or simple way? And then, then we'll get into what does it mean for higher education? I want to share two definitions. I think these both hit at it. The second one is my preferred because I'm in it. I'm a member of Educause, but the okay. first one from Gartner, and it says, quote, digital transformation can refer to anything from IT modernization, for example, cloud computing, to digital optimization, to the invention of new digital business models, end quote. But that's Gartner. Educause, I think I really dig this one much better because it says that it is a series of deep and coordinated culture, workforce, and technology shifts that enable new educational and new operational models that transform an institution's operations, strategic directions, and value proposition, end quote. Like, so for me, I'm a very simplistic guy, Sean, I'm, and that my simple version is, is just working collaboratively with folks on our campus, mm-hmm. looking at our people, our processes, and our technologies to really rethink, reimagine how we work, teach, and learn, and then supporting or enabling that with digital capabilities. Wow, yeah, that that seems like um, just all-encompassing too, right? You're talking about 
front end experience, the academic experience, the, the student faculty. I mean, everybody on campus is affected or touched by this kind of approach. Absolutely it is. And, and you know, hence the word transformation. I think it should be something that mm. touches everywhere. If it doesn't, then it's not truly transformational if you really think about it, Sean. You know what I mean? Digital transformation requires us to think about or rethink how we do work. A lot of times in higher education, I've learned this, I've been in higher education since 2008. And we're very successful in our silos quite often. And, and it requires us to think beyond silos and department mm -hmm. success to what it would look like to be institutional-wide or cross-departmental collaboration and institutional success, right? However, success is going to be defined by those institutions. Yeah, well, you mentioned collaboration in your, in your definition. And so it's more than just like, hey, we have a new software product that we're rolling out and everyone's going to use it. Like it goes way beyond that. Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting. So digital transformation, I, I don't remember when the when the phrase got coined or how long it's been around, you know, a little bit of research. I think it's been around for at least five, if not 10 years. But, you know, when I think about digital transformation and a lot of times folks think the it's a technology purchase and implementation, mm -hmm. I, I keep coming back to that people process and technology. And that's something I learned long time ago as an IT professional, that it's really about the people that are involved and getting them to change their mindset and skill sets, along with how we do work amongst people, really reimagining our processes, and that kind of gets at the culture of everything we do, then and only then are you ready to accelerate that and enable that with the proper use and a proper selection of technology. It's not the other way around. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. deploying a technology first without doing the other thing is just fraught with peril. It's not going to be transformative at all. Yeah, so you're talking about cultural change. I mean, how has that been going, you know, in terms of people accepting a shift towards this digital world and digital processes and digital transformation as a strategy versus just, yeah, a platform? What's it been like from your experience so far? You know, so I, I think it depends on the institution and the people. I, I don't have a lot of objective data to share. I've been very fortunate to be around with a lot of mm -hmm. other and CIOs, so I get to talk about it. And, you know, and also Educause has done a lot of, I guess they've done surveys. I think there's a lot of folks who are starting to pay attention to it and see that it could be a possibility. But I don't think that a lot of folks, a lot of institutions are fully uh, embracing it yet mm -hmm. and trying to enable it. You know, I, I also have the privilege of meeting with CIOs in higher ed and outside of higher ed. But I, I've learned that outside of higher ed, I think it's because business and industry have kind of an imperative or bottom line after me, and, and it mm -hmm. moves at a, to a rapid, agile pace. I think they are definitely further ahead with digital transformation than it is in, in higher education. Although the pandemic has helped spur agility in our institution, which has been fantastic, I still think that we are, we as a higher education industry, lag behind other verticals. Does digital transformation look differently at a small to mid-sized university? Versus a you know a large or mega university, if we're talking about you know small liberal arts slash professional mm -hmm. new American type university versus a Arizona State or some you know massive mega university. I, I truly believe digital transformation is about uh, rethinking how we organize and how we employ our people, rethinking our business processes and our technologies to advance our institutions. I don't think that that's going to look the same, nor should it look or feel the same on our different campuses across the country. We're really diverse in, in the United States, per se, but I'm sure around the world. 
Mm-hmm. We start thinking about the different types of Carnegie classes, thinking about our value propositions, thinking about our missions, thinking about the type of students we have. So I think with that as a backdrop, colleges and universities really need to understand what digital transformation could or should mean for them on their campuses. I would encourage everybody, just as we try to do with the University of Richmond, and I know some of my colleagues around the country do the same thing, you need to look closely, comprehensively, honestly at your mission and your values. Because it kind of sets the frame or the foundation of what you have to keep in mind and where you and what you want to do in the future. Then mm-hmm. really ask the tough question, where are you right now and where do you want to be? And be very laser-like about that because I think if you are, the more clear-cut and laser-like you are, you're able to uh, determine your strategic priorities. Then from there, as I said earlier, Sean, then you can get and start looking at, okay, do we have the right people? Are they trained the right way? Are our process need to be revamped? What policies are getting in the way? What new policies do we need to put in place? Then what technologies do we need to, to deploy? And all of this is done collaboratively, right? Mm-hmm. Not just by IT. This is uh, because transformation really gets at the core of either the administrative or the academic enterprise, right? And so you need to really bring those key stakeholders together to have those really tough conversations. It's much akin to doing a, a strategy or, or, or strategic plan for an institution. It would be the same process in my mind, but really trying to think about, can we move to someplace totally new and what we've never done before and reimagine what we do and repackage it or, or deliver it in a way that has been transformed digitally. You, you referenced the pandemic, you know, the pandemic, accelerated things a little bit. What do you think higher ed learned and how did the pandemic or how is the pandemic driving us towards digital transformation? The pandemic, one thing that it did, you know, it's interesting. I've been very privileged to serve in two careers now, Uh, 24 years serving our country in the United States Air Force and almost 12 years now uh, working in higher education. And when I came into higher education, one of the first things I learned was this understanding the culture of colleges and universities, and, and it's been reinforced at three different institutions, and I'm very privileged to serve on a couple of association boards, so I learned a lot about other campuses around the country. Our cultures are such that change is, you know, radical change or severely innovative change is not something that seems to be, I would put as a, a an analogy or a description of higher ed, but the pandemic really kind of poked holes into that thought process because I think we all had to rapidly deploy technologies and revamp the way we do across everything across the campus. And so what I see, and this is Max's humble opinion, what was once thought to be, oh, we can't do that or we're not willing to do that, that's actually thrown out the window now. Now, we could revert back to the way we've always done it, but I'd like to think that the pandemic has shown us all, whether you are a faculty, whether you're a staff, whether you're a student, whether you're administration, that higher education has the capacity to move quickly and move toward digital transformation and to do it well. Because I think when we shifted, you know, most institutions in March of 2020, I think there was a 1.0 to that. Let's just get off campus. And then there was a time to settle down and regroup when we knew we were going to have to sustain operations for a while. So it kind of moved us to a 2.0. And then I think now that we're all coming back and teaching in residence and, and working on campus, I think there's a lot of lessons learned through that journey, right? So one, I guess I would say that we can do things digitally. We can move much quicker than what we thought we could. We have both the capacity and ability to do it, and, and we know we can. 
And we also know, uh, I think it's going to sound very probably mundane, but I think at the core of this is just good change management and good leadership. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of our institutions right now, yeah, are wrestling on where to go. You, you, as you touched on, they, there was a quick pivot and they showed themselves they could be agile and flexible and adapt. Well, one, thank you for your service. Thank you for noting that early on. You know, and thinking about, well, the Air Force or and higher ed and healthcare and every other industry, mm-hmm. maybe for, we could talk about ransomware for a moment. Uh, we we had a conversation with presidents recently, and that's a, that's a number one, con- not the number one concern, but it's up there now on the priority list as they try and prepare themselves for what could be a really, you know, crisis moment. What are your thoughts about <laughs> ransomware? Yeah. Ransomware is, wow, it is here to stay. It is one of the most mm. disruptive forms of cyber uh, attacks that we experience, you know, and, and I want to make sure, you know, some folks may not know what ransomware is. So I just want to make sure that, you know, it's really, you know, just like a ransom, basically somebody's going to come in, do something nefarious to your systems and your data, block access from you getting to it, and then basically hold you ransom and say, pay us a sum of money for you to get access back to it. It is on the rise. Uh, it's definitely impacting higher education. Vice News reported earlier this month about a hack at Des Moines Area Community College, and they, and their uh, data was held ransom. Inside Higher Ed reported last month about a ransomware attack at another community college in Northern California that took their systems mm-hmm. offline. Ed Scoop reported that the University of Massachusetts Lowell was uh, uh, held ransom where they couldn't hold their classes for about a week. And most recently, the University of California, about a year ago, University of California at San Francisco had to pay over a million dollars in ransomware to recover their files. And on average, they said that, I think it was ZDNet that reported that in 2020, ransomware is up 100% compared to 2019. And that the average ransom is now close to 500,000. So it is here to stay. And and it's a challenge for all verticals, but I think uh, higher education Mm -hmm. is definitely a challenge because we're our culture is so open and so collaborative and so inclusive. And I, and I think it feels like it runs counter to the way we do business to think about being more controlled or restrictive, if you will. But it is something that I and my chief information security officer, I don't think there's a day or a moment that it doesn't go by that we're not thinking about it. And I know when I get together with other CIOs around the country, it is always, always a discussion. It seems like people are coming out and saying, okay, this happened to us. Like we're starting to hear more about it, uh, and not only because it's happening in the moment, but it's people are they're not shying away or hiding the fact that it's happening to them or happened to them. Yeah, and to that end, you know, something I've always said: most colleges, universities, if you think about all verticals, and we've seen some really major breaches uh, out there in other verticals, and a lot of these corporations and companies have uh, they could bring a wealth of resources with human resources and fiscal resources to have a pretty robust cyber security awareness detection and prevention program, and they are still victims. We're running many cities on our campus, basically, right? You think about everything from the facilities and the equipment and, and technologies used there to how we serve and support our students to what we do in the classroom to our business transactions. There's a lot of data moving about our campus and a lot of data moving now in the cloud. And thinking about mm-hmm. the you know, many of us are off campus and it's one thing to try to control your ecosystem with everything on your campus. You have some control. Now you have people on their home networks distributed. I think about in my campus, we have people who live 
their homes are hours away and they live in rural communities and, mm-hmm. and they're using their home Wi-Fi and, and, and it, so it becomes much more complex. And I think the bad actors know that. So they realize it's a ripe playing ground, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's a easier threat vector for them to come toward us versus other verticals. No institution and no industry or no person is immune. It's ransomware is here to stay. And I'll say this. I always say it's not a matter if, it's a matter of when. And hopefully it is not, but most likely it will be some type of ransomware. Right. You just raised a really, I mean, something I really wasn't thinking about. You know, the companies with deeper resources who can't even protect against this and then how vulnerable we become as institutions that might not have those resources and then how widespread and open our culture is makes us even more vulnerable. No, absolutely. And I, you know, I almost failed to mention that, you know, uh, and again, we have such different Carnegie classifications, but I think about my colleagues at major research institutions. There's a whole nother source of data that I know that bad actors, you know, because the United States has always been a leader when it comes to research. And I think there are going to be nation states. So it's not just individual actors. There's going to be nation states who are going to be using, bringing to bear all the resources of their nation to uh, try to extract information from our top tier research institutions in the United States. Does something like ransomware even become a threat to institutions collaborating with one another across digital platforms? Hmm. I think one, we do have individual challenges as institutions. And so there's conversations that we need to have on our campus on you know, classifying our data and looking at our mechanisms and how we're trying to protect our information, whether it's uh, data at rest or more importantly, in transit. And when you start thinking about in transit, you know, it's not just across our campus, but it's uh, inner campus with other colleges, universities or research centers or things of that nature. So I think you need to look at your whole ecosystem and all the partners that you have in your ecosystem and start mm-hmm. some really detailed conversations about how we are going to protect the data, right? And I'm reminded that we are here in the, in the state of Virginia, and my chief information security officer is part of what we call the Virginia Security uh, Network and for colleges and universities. And they work collaboratively to make sure that we're sharing best practices and we're having understanding of how we want to work with one another and how we want to share information. And I think that happens across higher ed, we're very fortunate to have uh, the Research Engineering Network Information Security Analysis Center, or REN Isaac, that supports uh, the Research Engineering Network, and we're members of that. We also have the Higher Education Information Security Council, which is out of EDUCAUSE. So we have folks that uh, realize this is extremely important and that no one person or organization has all the answers. It requires constant communication and collaboration. And we also know we have business partners out there. There are folks who are doing this whether that's from cybersecurity protection or cybersecurity penetration and testing or mm-hmm. cyber, cyber liability insurance. There's just a lot of things to think about. And I think we need to have collaborative conversations across the board in all areas for us to really try to you know, have our best opportunity to protect our data and information. Ultimately, and I think this is important, information technology organization is always going to have this as part of its core mission to do. But when it comes to protecting data and information, it's everybody's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Everybody who puts their fingers on a keyboard to do anything, to sign into something that they're going to be either transmitting, retrieving, or observing data, 
they have a responsibility. So we all share in that. And so we all need to be aware of what the challenges are. We need to be educated and train what to do and what not to do. And then make sure we're all following what we call good cyber hygiene practices. Yeah, it comes down to, in so many scenarios, the person creating the vulnerability and making sure that everyone's trained and knowledgeable about best practices and all of that. Yeah, because one of the things that happened, Sean, is I think, you know, we've heard of phishing, right? P-H-I-S-H-I-N-E. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the, the ways that folks get in, right? They use human nature and the trust that we have with folks and, and the fact that we're all busy and we're not slowing down to pay attention each every time. And phishing is a way to get in. And, and, and sometimes folks, you know, the bad, the bad actors are in your systems for years before they decide to strike, right? They're mm. observing, they're detecting, they're learning. And so it's important. And I think people, one of the things I try to stress to uh, folks at the campuses where I've been CIO is it's just like leave your purse in a car or leave your wallet in the car and leave mm-hmm. your keys in a car and leave your car unlocked. You have mm-hmm. a personal accountability. You don't, you, you, you can't say, well, the police weren't there to protect my information, protect my uh, assets. No, you have a responsibility personally too. And so I think that's the kind of mindset we need to try to instill across higher education. Well, Mac, I've really enjoyed talking to you about, even though not the most fun topic or <laughs> uplifting <laughs> in some respects, but uh, I thought what you shared is so helpful to institutions out there. And I really appreciate you know you creating this opportunity to talk today. No, well, thank you, Sean. It's uh, quite an honor. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you do. Uh, I love your podcast, and I consider it quite an honor to be a guest on your show. Thanks for listening to Connect, Collaborate, Champion, the NACU podcast. As president of the New American Colleges and Universities, I'm honored to work with our network of innovative campuses and champion the belief that a comprehensive liberal, professional, and civic education is essential to the future of our world. To learn more about the NACU campuses, visit nacu.edu.